Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I'm so happy you're here today that we get to do this together today. Whether you are connecting with us here physically or you're connecting with us digitally online, we are so grateful that you are here. And it is by no coincidence that you're here today. It is by God's design that we share in this time together. So I hope you guys are ready for what God's going to do in your heart and your life. Welcome, especially those who might be visiting with us today. You are our honored guest. I want to start off today's message uh, with a book that I often read to my kids. Now, I don't know how many parents we have out there, but if you're a parent, maybe even a child, have you ever read the Llama Llama books? Anybody? Can you just raise your hand so I feel like I'm not alone here? Okay, we have some Llama Llama readers um, in the house, and we love reading these books to our kids. But there's one Llama Llama book I just can't do. I, I, can't, I can't handle it when I read it to my kids, and it's entitled Llama Llama Mad at Mama. Anybody ever read the book? Really, the whole setting of that book is that Mama Llama takes Llama Llama to Shoporama, okay? Follow me here. I promise this is going somewhere. In fact, I'm just going to read you some of the highlights of that book, and and I read this to my kids quite a bit. Uh, They'll testify to this. Let me just give you a couple of excerpts real quick. Um... Great big buildings, great big signs, lots of aisles, lots of lines. Llama, llama, out with mama, shopping at the shoporama. Yucky music, great big feet, lady smelling way too sweet. Look at knees and stand in line. Llama, llama starts to whine. And literally the whole book is this little llama whining about going to the store with his mom. Let me just give you the highlights here. You ready? It's no fun at Shoporama, Llama, Llama, Mad at Mama. Flying pasta, spraying juice, paper towels rolling loose, coffee bread and chips galore, shoes and sweats, shirts hit the floor, crash the cart and smash the signs, no more waiting, no more lines. Out go socks and cheese puffs, Llama, Llama, that's enough. Please stop fussing, little Llama. No more of this Llama drama. When I read that, the dad in me (laughs) gets fired up, right? Because I think of my kid acting like that in the store. And I'm going, you know what ought to happen in this story? There should have been a really neat rhyme to discuss how mama jerked baby llama out of the grocery cart and began to just whoop that little llama, right? Put it in timeout for the next six years and take away TV forever, right? And so by the time I get to the end of this book, all this complaining, I'm telling my kids, you know what that mama ought to have done? She ought to have done just this and that. Don't you ever act like that story. Here's the problem. You ready? I act like this every time I go shopping with my wife. Right? Like, I look at this book and I go, man, every time I'm forced into this situation where I have to go shopping with my wife, I act like this little llama, right? Like, I get into this way where I just complain about everything. You ever struggle with that, men? Having to go shopping with the lady, ladies, point them out in the room, right? Just point them out. I see those fingers go. Aaron, is it true, babe? <laughs> yeah, she just pointed out and cried. Anyway, that, that is the truth of our marriage. I do that. You know, if we're all honest this morning, we see ourselves a little bit in this story, don't we? Maybe it's seasons of life or just certain days or situations. Uh, you and I, if we're not careful, we kind of give in to complaining, a little too much, if, if we're to be pretty honest. 
maybe arguing just a little bit too much, maybe getting sidetracked just a little too much in our lives. You know, I think of the, I, of course, I've got three girls and a little boy, and, and so everything's Disney at our house. I, I think of the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So, do you ever really wonder which one you were? I mean, I have no question. I'm grumpy, right? Like, I, I'm grumpy, especially when I have to go shopping. I'm grumpy. Dwarf. And, and honestly, we probably all have those, those days and times in our life where we're just a little too grumpy, to be any good at all. And I guess the question this morning that we're going to ask and also we're going to see addressed in our study in the book of Philippians is this. Does God really care about our complaining? Does God, does God have any concern for it? Does God speak to our seasons, our moments, our situations of complaining? And surprisingly, here in Philippians chapter 2, he does. Now remember this, as you take your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians 2 together. Remember, we're fleshing out what it is in Philippians 1.27 to live lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, into chapter 2, you and I begin talking about what it is to live out, to work out the very salvation that Christ has worked into each of our hearts and in our lives through faith. And as we do this study, the question is why? Why are we continuing in this thread? Because here's what we're convinced of. You ready? That when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is my greatest joy, hey, church, I'm the happiest, and you're the happiest you can be in this life with Jesus being our greatest joy. But you know what? A couple of weeks ago, we, we preached a message through Philippians chapter 2, and, and, we, and I had you say, so long, self. R remember that? Maybe you didn't come that day, but really what I had you do was to, to break up with you. It was a hard day on a lot of us. You had to break up with yourself. But can I tell you a telltale sign that you're still seeing you? Complaining. Grumbling. And arguing. It's a telltale sign that you are still seeing you. And we've yet to break up with ourselves as Philippians chapter 2 invites us to do. You know what's amazing? is that in Philippians chapter 2, we see even in this incredible church that complaining and arguing is beginning to infiltrate the body of Christ. Man, they're, they're fussing, they're fighting, they're complaining and they're arguing about petty things. If you're married in the house, you barely remember the last, the reason why you fought last. Isn't it just amazing how sometimes we just get caught up in petty things, and yet these petty things in the church were causing a lot of complaining. And in response, Paul begins to challenge the church. So watch this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. The Bible says this. Paul says to the church, hey, listen, do all things, do everything without grumbling. It also can be translated in your Bibles, complaining and without arguing. Now, what's cool about this passage is the emphasis of this verse in the, in the original language is everything. Everything. Do everything. Not just some things. Not just these things. But in everything. Do it without grumbling, complaining, and arguing. In a sense, remember our context. Remember our goal here is to work out, to live out the very salvation that God has worked in us through Jesus Christ. In every area of our lives, 
not just some areas of our lives. He says to do this without grumbling. Y'all know what grumbling is, don't you? You know what grumbling sounds like, right? It's when someone or something happens that you don't like. It's when you kind of do this in your head. You ever grumble before in your head? The older I get, the less I can do it in here, and it always comes out here. Like, I'll be mad at something, and my kids will hear me grumbling out loud. Dad, Dad what you saying? Dad, what's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, it broke. Okay, I, I thought I was doing it only in my head, and now I am grumbling. I'm making these noises out loud, the things that I don't like. That's what it sounds like. It's those utterances. I love how one scholar defined complaining. He says this, complaining is a secret displeasure in the heart, an angry discontent that leads to criticism. I thought it was a pretty good definition. Really, it's an emotional response you and I have to something or someone that we don't like. I love what Erwin Lutzer said about complaining. He says this, you ready? Complaining about our lot in life might seem quite innocent in itself, but God takes it personally. God takes it personally. Listen to James chapter 5 verse 9. James says, don't grumble, don't complain against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. And he says this, the judge is standing at the door. Let me paint the picture for you real quick, okay? Imagine you have a couple of your kids in the house and they run upstairs to their room. And they sort of shut the door and they sit on the edge of the bed and they just start talking about how they can't believe mama told them to do this. How they couldn't believe what daddy had said about that. And they just, anybody ever done that before? Hey, confession's good for the soul, right? Uh, They're just sitting on the edge of bed just carrying on complaining about mom and dad. But little do they know that dad's standing at the door listening. And that dad takes it personally. That's the picture here of how God views are complaining as he stands at the door of our hearts and our lives. You know, I love the word argue. It says this, Paul says, do everything without complaining or grumbling. And he says, and arguing. You know when arguing happens in the word that's used here? It's when complaining works its way into our conversations and we encourage others to join in on our complaints. We invite others in. Misery loves company. Let's complain together. Two is better than one, right? When it comes to complaining. I love how one pastor put it. He said this, arguing takes place when our complaining moves from our heart to our heads and then vomits out of our mouth. Isn't that a lovely picture? Go and have lunch now, right? But that's what he says. That's what arguing begins to look like in the church. You ready? I want you to, I want you to hear me, church. What we know to be true, that complaining is terribly contagious, that it impacts everyone who hears it, and it infects everyone who takes part in it. But really, what does complaining look like? What are we talking about when we're talking about complaining? Well, hey, since we're at church, y'all want to just complain a little bit about church? I mean, can you believe that we had to walk in the door and somebody thought we were stupid enough not to know what six feet looks like and they put tape down every six feet when we walk in the door? Can you believe the audacity of putting masks on a table? They must be drinking the Kool-Aid. 
Man, I come in here and the room's cold. I can't help the pastor's chubby. I can't help he sweats a lot. This room's too cold for me. I don't know why he does that. That music, too loud. I mean, can Zach never sing a hymn? He never heard a hymn before. He can't do a hymn. That music's just way too loud. Who uses a fog machine? I can't breathe right in the first place. Why is there a fog machine up on stage? The lights are too bright. I didn't like that song. I like, and don't get me started about the message. Anthony's never preached a short message in his life, has he? Why does he sweat so much? Listen, guys, that's just about church. I could go on. Can I tell you something? You and I don't need the church to complain. We complain about our marriages. Complain about our kids. We complain about our jobs, our bosses, our employees. We complain about business. We complain about our finances, our schools, our community leaders, our politics, our nation. We complain about the weather. We complain about food and how it is cooked. You don't need the church to complain. In our nature, it just comes easy to complain about some things and to complain about everything. You know what the thing is about complaining? Complaining is a downward spiral that has no bottom and no end. Once you get downward on that spiral, church, where does it stop? Where does it end? And so as I read this passage, here's one of the things that, that's my prayer that we realize here today, and that is this, that God didn't put you, God didn't place you, God didn't plant you where you are to be a complainer in chief. Rather, he put you there to be a Christian on call, ready to work out and to live out the very salvation. He's worked in you and worked in me. You know what derails that? Complaining. I got to thinking about my complaint. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This little llama looks better than me <laughs> in a lot of my complaining. I got to thinking about my own complaining. You know, really what it is, it's an emotional response. But it's also a rejection of what God has ordered and ordained for my life. And hear me, as Philippians lends itself to, as James lends itself to, our complaining, it is serious business to God. One needs only to read the Old Testament. Head to Exodus and Numbers. Let's just take those books in the Old Testament. Head there and read those and look at how much the people of God complained against him. So much so that Paul as he writes the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9, he reminds the people of that church, we must not put Christ to the test. As some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Guys, talk about a way to go. People died by snakes. Listen to what he says. In verse 10, nor grumble or complain as some of them did and were destroyed, Paul writes, by the destroyer. Think of it. In the books of Exodus and, and Numbers together, God had delivered his people. He had crushed their enemy with the very sea he had just split moments before. He fed them manna from heaven, water from rock, warmed them with the pillar of fire at night, and guided them with the pillar of cloud by day. He protected them from their enemies, and yet time and time again, the people of God lost sight of God, focused in on themselves, and they complained. 
They grumbled and they argued. They lost sight of God. They lost sight of his goodness. They lost sight of his grace. They lost sight of all that he had given them. Oh, and they complained and they grumbled. They argued and they carried on. Believer, don't be fooled. Complaining is not an innocent pastime. It is an offense to God. Now, I want you to hear me. Philippians chapter 2, in no way beholdens believers to stay quiet about wrongdoing or not to make grievances known or not really to grieve out loud. It's okay to do those things. But it is not a call for us to rely on such a useless and ineffective vehicle like complaining to do so. You know what complaining is? It's all talk and no action. Think of it. Complaining accomplishes nothing. Accomplishes nothing. Maya Angelou, a famed author and activist, and although theologically her and I would disagree a little, in matters of faith we would disagree. In her book, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now, she addresses complaining, and trust me, she had heard it and had many reasons why in her life to complain. And I want you to listen to what she wrote. She said this, what you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Don't complain. Don't complain. I got to thinking about this passage of Believer. You ready? If you don't like something, work to change it. And if you can't change it, change the way you think about it. But by all means, don't complain. So here's my challenge. You ready? If you were to tweet out my sermon in just one tweet today, if you were to think, man, what's the bottom line? You ready? Here's the challenge for every believer from Philippians chapter 2. Stop complaining. Shine on. Stop complaining and shine on. Look what it says here in verse 15. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly To the word of life that Paul writes. You ready? Shining is the call of every believer earlier on in verse 15. To be blameless and pure. Children of God in a warped and crooked generation. Paul writes. Hear me church. This isn't a call to perfection. But to perfecting our faith. A challenge to continually work out. To live out. The very salvation that God has worked in us through Christ. I love the word blameless there. And what it really is painting the picture in our minds of is exactly what 1 Peter 2.12 writes. Being above reproach means to live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds. And though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Shining also means that Paul writes, it means that you and I are to be pure and without fault. That, That word there in the Greek language speaks of a wine that's not been watered down of a metal that has in no way been weakened. And what he's saying is this, that for believers, you and I are not to be watered down. We are not to be weakened with such sin and selfishness like complaining, among many other things. Don't be watered down. Don't be weakened by these things. As he goes on and he teaches us, 
Now the question becomes, why is it so important? Why be blameless? Why be pure? Why be without fault? Because our backdrop is this, you ready? Our backdrop is a world that has been plunged into darkness. And he goes on and he talks about a generation that is warped and crooked. (laughs) Y'all ever seen a board like this? Hey, let me ask you, where'd you buy this board from? Everybody says Lowe's. Unbelievable. I just throw it out there for the guys. Um, I don't know where this board came from. But this is a warp, and this is a, cro- a crooked board. You know, hey, David, I think if you back there, we talked about this a little bit. Not a whole lot of good you can do with this, is there? Not really a whole big old useful piece of wood here. And this is, you know what, honestly, this is exactly... What Paul kind of pictures in the mind, this ought to be straight, but it's crooked and it's warped. And this describes a generation, a people, a community, and a culture that doesn't love and follow after Jesus. This is what their hearts and their lives look like. This is a community, a culture, and a world that does not know and love and follow after the word of God. This is what warped and crooked looks like spiritually, as opposed to, And in contrast to the believer. Where did we get this board from? Home Depot. Anyway, I don't know how you guys would say that. But in contrast to this board. And this is the picture of a believer's life. A life that has been straightened by the word of God. Straightened by the power of his spirit. Strengthened by the salvation that God has worked into them. And here's the picture, you ready? When it comes to God building his kingdom, those who have a warped and crooked heart and mind are of no use. He can build nothing lasting out of that. But for the believer, what has been strengthened by the word of God straightened by the power of his spirit and straightened by the work of God's salvation in us, he can take such boards, he can take such believers and build his kingdom and build a platform by which you and I can shine his light into the darkness. You know, I got to thinking about an app I have on my iPad. And my girls will tell you, they're sitting back there. One of our favorite things to do is to go out at night and open up this app and to point it to the stars. Because you know what it does. You just put that little circle over the star, and it tells you exactly what the star is. It shows you the constellation it's in. It's just an incredible app. And many a night, you'll see us out in our front yard just pointing this all over the night sky. You know what I love? I love the nights where the moon's not visible. And you go out there, and there's not a whole lot of light around the neighborhood. And to see how bright the stars shine against the darkness. You know what I've learned? The darker the night sky, the brighter the stars shine. I got to thinking about this passage. Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what? I, you know, I get, look at this passage. I go, you know what God's doing here? He's reminding us that he doesn't want us to be a part of or a product of the darkness. 
but he wants us to shine in the darkness. Notice that God doesn't take darkness away or remove us from darkness altogether, but he empowers us to shine in the darkness, against the darkness, and as a testimony to the darkness. Believer, hear me. God puts you where you are in your marriage, has put you in your marriage, puts you where you are as parents, in your job, as a leader, in your school, in your friendships, in your community. You ready? Not to complain, but to shine. And so, believer, stop complaining and shine on. If we're not careful, We complain and criticize so much that we lose sight of all there is to celebrate, especially in Christ. Whether it's our our deacons and our elders meeting or maybe I'm meeting with our assistants or our interns at the church, no matter the meeting I hold, we always start with one thing. We call it celebrate. We always start there because you know what? I know it's in our nature, and I know it's easy to come by. It's easy to complain and to criticize, but I'm going to tell you something. When you begin a conversation, when you begin a thought with celebration, you don't always wind up so easily at complaining and so easily at criticizing. And so you know what I tell our team? Even if it takes us the next hour, we're going to celebrate. And do you know what always incorporates the biggest part of any meeting I'm in? Our celebration. Our celebration focuses us in on what is important. Shining is the visible side of what we walked through last week in our message, and that is the working and living out of what God has worked in us through Christ and our salvation. So I want to give you two steps in closing today. Two steps on how you and I can stop complaining and we can shine on. Step number one, choose to celebrate more and complain less. Choose to celebrate more and complain less. Really, this is an invitation for you and I to repent, to turn from our complaining and to exchange that for rejoicing in our Jesus. I ran across the story of Eunice Sanborn. Back a few years ago, she was given the title as the oldest living human being on planet Earth at the age of 114. Can you imagine? I just want to see 40, right? I can't imagine 114. And they interviewed her at her church in Texas where they had this huge celebration party. And they said, hey, listen, Eunice, man, how does somebody live so long? Listen to what she said. She said, you know what? I've lived so long because I love everything about my life. And she said, and I have no complaints. You know what I think? What's wrong with Eunice, right? How do you go 114 years, love everything about your life and have no complaints? Somebody needs to check in on Eunice. But you know what? I got to thinking about what else she said. She says she's had many things over 114 years that she could accumulate to complain about. You know what she said? I just refuse to complain. Guys, I can't go 114 days. I can't go 114 minutes 
without something that I could find to complain about. But you know what old Eunice teaches us today, church? Complaining is a choice. A choice we decide we're either going to do it or we're not. And instead of you and I continually to head down that downward spiral of complaining that has no bottom, that has no end, maybe, just maybe, in this conversation of making much of Jesus, you and I would choose to celebrate Jesus, to choose to celebrate. And here's how we do it, you ready? We choose less of what fuels our complaining in life. Social media, the news, blogs, podcasts, television, negative friends, salads, whatever it is in your life that fuels complaining, go less of it. Go less of it. Choose to celebrate. Anthony, what is there to celebrate? (laughs) If there was nothing else but the finished work of Jesus on the cross for our sin. His empty tomb and resurrection, the salvation he purchased for you and I. If there was nothing else in all the world to celebrate, that would be enough. Choose to celebrate. Choose more of his joy, more of his word. Think of it. The very man writing this letter, this book of Philippians to the Philippian church, Paul, he was falsely accused, under house arrest, chained to guards, and yet time and time again in his letters, we were reminded that he chooses to celebrate what he has in Jesus and what God is doing rather than take the cheap and cowardly route of complaining. Choose to celebrate. Take Paul up on his invitation in verse 18, a few verses down. Where he said, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Choose to celebrate. This past Friday, I drove a couple hours out of a town. And I found myself standing at the graveside of a 23-year-old girl. Mom of a precious three-year-old little boy. And there I helped a family say goodbye to their daughter. As I was there and as I was getting the message ready else to preach to this precious family, I was reminded back in September when this precious young lady came to our church on a few Wednesday nights. I remember the first night that she sat right about here and I gave the gospel invitation And she responded and gave her heart and her life to Jesus. I remember the conversations over the next few weeks. She had known great struggles in her life. But the joy that Jesus brought her, you could see it on her face. She shined. And in the midst of all the heartache and the hurt, as I stood and and I, I preached her, funeral, her celebration of life service. Do you know the greatest celebration that I could point her family to? The greatest hope and the greatest joy they had Friday at her graveside was what Jesus 
had worked in her through his salvation. We could choose to celebrate. Because you know what? God is too good. Time is too short. And life is too precious to complain it away. Choose to celebrate. And here's the last step, the second step and the final. Create accountability. Identify someone who you're with quite a bit. Uh, For me, that's my wife. Uh, This may shock you. My wife and I really love hanging out together. Um, We really are our best friends, and so we get to spend a lot of time together. And and you know what? You ought to create some accountability. Maybe maybe it's a friend in your life or however that works, but someone who's walking with Jesus, but you ought to create accountability. And here's what I mean. Aaron and I, we talked through this a little bit, but, uh, but I know that I have seasons and times in my life where I'm just given to complain a little bit too much. And you know what? You ought to work up a code word with them. So even if you're in front of other people, you can create some accountability that can help you to stop that downward spiral of complaining. You know our code word is? Shine on. So let's say I'm out with Aaron and, and all of a sudden for some reason I get to just complaining. And I just, man, I'm really good at it. I start this complaining. You know what all Aaron has to do is go, hey, babe, shine on. And immediately. Aaron, you gotta, we got to do this, right? Immediately. She's lovingly letting me know, Anthony, you're complaining. There's so much to celebrate in your complaining. Shine on. And so maybe it's a, a person or maybe a couple of people in your life that you could create accountability that could just look at you, speak into your life and love you enough to say, hey, you know what? Man, you are going down this towered spiral complaining. You ready? Shine on. Stop complaining and shine on. Every so often I come across a quote that's from a great theologian or scholar in our field of of ministry. This is not such a guy, but his quote is very practical. Listen to what he says. Complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not your own. Isn't that about right? You notice it when it comes out of everybody else's mouth, but not your own. Create accountability so that when people catch a whiff of complaining, shine on. Stop complaining. Shine on. Choose to celebrate and shine on. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.